Greetings, fellow travelers. The road to empowerment is paved with, well, that's what we're here to find out. And while we're at it, what about all those potholes? I'm your host, Marla Bolak. My guests and I are talking confidence, self-esteem, power, and more. Let's hit the road. Hello, I'm here with David Summerfleck. He's an enterprise digital marketing executive and startup consultant with over 20 years experience working for marketing agencies across North America and 10 years experience as a nonprofit small business mentor. David has written for Fox Realty, spoken at Microsoft, advised not one, not two, but six political campaigns, in addition to hundreds of business owners and entrepreneurs of every type. David is also the author of The Road to Digital Marketing Profits and the upcoming Bloom and Grow. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. Um, I might have made a typo. It was Fox Reality, the Fox Reality TV Oh, you didn't make a typo. I need to get some reading, remedial reading. You know what? Here, I'll, for you, I'll switch to my reading glasses so I can see you better. There we go. <laughs> okay. I have those too. Um, right. Yeah, that was Fox Reality, the TV network I wrote uh, for them. Oh, what is that? Uh, that was a, a, a reality TV network, and they had um, a TV shows different dating reality TV shows. Oh, wow. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Sounds interesting. Yes. I I, uh, spoke at Microsoft. I wrote for Caribou Coffee, Fox Reality TV Network. Um, Let me see. And um, whatever else. But thank you for having me on. Um, I hope I can offer some helpful information and, uh, you know, be a guide for anyone who's listening. Well, I appreciate it. I'm sure you can. It just, we, we chatted beforehand and I like to tell people how I know my guests and David is a new, new friend. So that's right. Um, this will be, I'm learning along with the audience what, what you are about. So okay. let's, let's start with, you've got, you have a book called the road to digital marketing profits. Um, and you have a, you're working on a book called Bloom and Grow. Yes. Interesting title. Yeah. The, my, the book out now, The Road to Digital Marketing Profits, basically I have about 20, 25 years experience in digital marketing for several marketing agencies. I started in, in website development and web design back when the internet was still new. Mm-hmm. And then when I graduated from college, I went into working for different marketing and advertising agencies. And I had a degree in English with an emphasis in creative writing. Mm-hmm. But since the internet was still relatively new at that time, I was one of the few people who knew about the internet and knew how to build websites and, and edit. And uh, back then we didn't have Google. We had Yahoo and Excite. Right. And it, easy to get to the top of Yahoo at that time. It wasn't as complicated as it is now. Right. And um, there wasn't as much competition either. So I started working for different marketing agencies in that capacity. And so the road digital marketing profits, when I wanted to write a book, it was really hard for me because I kept second guessing everything. And I wanted the book to be a masterpiece. <laughs> I wanted it to be the very best that I could write. I wanted it to speak from my heart. And I just felt like, I just don't know. It's just so intimidating. There's so much to cover. So I thought, well, you know what? Take a workbook and just make a workbook mm-hmm. as your first book with the basis being that you're completely new the digital marketing, you don't know anything about it, which is, let's be honest, the typical small business owner. Yes. So we take you from the assumption that you don't know anything at all about digital marketing. And by the end of the workbook, you know how to use it. 
you know what some key terms are, and you have a digital marketing business plan that you can then take with you to a credit union or bank if you want to take out a loan. Or conversely, you could also take it and say, now I'm ready to work with someone like David or with David or whatever. And here's the workbook. I filled in everything to the best of my ability. And now I, this is something that we have substance now. You know, as opposed to just calling somebody up and just say, I want to be number one at Google, but I don't know how I want to get there. I don't know what I want to get there for. I don't know how to budget. I don't, you know. Right, right, right. So this is intriguing for for a number of ways. I'm going to, there's two things I want to ask you. The first one is, because I'm always looking at the, the this one angle, is you found it easier and less intimidating to write a workbook. Yes, to and start. So, and so that's what, so that's the reframe. It's a little bit more than a reframe, right? You just had had some conversation with yourself and came to that conclusion. I find that fascinating. Well, I mean, yes. And given that, you know, I went to college and I was studying Shakespeare, Chaucer, Keats and Shelley. And, you know, I wanted to go meet Stephen King when he came uh, by in a speaking tour back then. So I was a total, total literary nerd. Right. Back then I met my wife in a bookstore. So I was a total nerd. And, you know, I don't know if you can see over here. I've got all these, you know, bookshelves. Uh, Let me see if I can show your viewers. And right over there. And for anybody listening, it's a A lot of books, pretty big big bookshelf, you know, as you would expect. So that's really what I went to college for. And for me, I was at a point where I really couldn't read for enjoyment anymore because every time I read something, I was diagramming sentences. <laughs> I was looking for the dramatic arc. You know, I was comparing oh. it to Shakespeare, which is not a, a safe thing to do. No. So Tough to measure up to the bard. Right. So I just thought, you know what? Look at it from a marketing standpoint, which I knew um, – from working in all these agencies. The most important thing is to do it first. Then you can go in there and do the second edition, the third edition and add more or make your second book a little bit better. So my second book I've already started. I'm about halfway through it. And I wanted it to be something that spoke about digital marketing, but not in a traditional way to try to break it down. So it does, it's not intimidating, but it tells you about the core principles of it. It's kind of like Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a fable about a person who wants to be number one in Google and be found by people who want to work with her. But she is like the typical business owner. She doesn't want to spend any money or doesn't have any money, doesn't really know what she should be number one for. So we take her from this and kind of take her along like a mythological type of journey where she sees people doing it incorrectly, people doing it correctly. It compares the two and then decides this is the best way to proceed for me. Cool. Sounds like the hero's journey. Yeah, and I'm and uh, so I'm taking off a month and just going to work on that and write several versions. You're going to write it in a month? Oh yeah, to me that's the way it should be. Wow, you, that's you know, great. I, I, I again, I mean, I worked for multiple marketing agencies, so mm-hmm. we always had very strict deadlines where you had to get everything done very quickly because you had more work to do. <laughs> so you know, this idea of taking as long as you need, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, project managers who stood over me and would throw things and you'd get fired if you couldn't meet your deadlines as well. So when I became a project manager, I was like Gordon Ramsay. I just like, look, I can love you and bless you, but that's off the clock. When you come to work, we got stuff we got to do. So for me, when I write something, it's got to be done by a very specific deadline. If a book takes more than a month, something's wrong. If a blog post takes more than a day, something's wrong. If I work with a client 
that's got to be done within 30 days. Interesting. I mean, otherwise, it's pointless. Yeah. Um, well, I think different people have different um, styles. I mean, you know, a book in 30 days versus take as long as you want. There's a lot of space in between there. Right. Um, and, 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 and bear in mind, too, that I'm also talking about dra- the first draft. Right. And also you have a clear idea of what you're doing. I know some, right. some, when I'm writing something that I have a clear idea, boom, if not, I've got to, I'm working it out as I'm writing. Right. I don't sit down to write anything without some type of outline first. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the way I was trained. Um, you know, I'm talking to you now, but if I'm doing a video, I will have a printed up outline that I attach to the monitor. Mm, yeah, you uh, need that for really yeah. super short. Yeah, unless it's like two or three minutes. Um, otherwise, I've got always so much, you know, information overload. I either have so much information that I want to impart, or I'm going to think of a story that I'm thinking, well, that should illustrate my point. Yeah, I think preparation is really key. Yeah, absolutely. So, um. Um, so I want to go back to other question I had about the, sure. the the road to digital marketing profits that workbook is that how long ago did you write that and is it still relevant? I I yeah I wrote it approximately I think it was four months ago maybe five oh, months ago. Oh so oh so this is very recent. And when I write something about that topic, I'm not going to use things that could be dated. Yeah. So for example, six months from now. Um, a, a Google product may or may not be around, but Google itself is likely to be around in six months. Probably. Now, six, six years <laughs> from now, 10 years from now, maybe it'll morph into something else. Maybe it'll get bought out by someone else or change or something, but people will know what it is. And, and again, you can always just use online search as a generic term. So I try to make whatever I write to be uh, time neutral. So it doesn't matter if you read it a year from now or 10 years from now or 15 right, years. Right. Right. So that's good to know. So, and that was, um, I know the way I asked it probably wasn't the best, but I figured you have had that, that it was still relevant. <laughs> right. And, and the thing is too, people really get obsessed with what I call bright, shiny object syndrome. Right where people will call me up and say, Dave, how much is a website? Well, I don't know what you want done. I don't know what your goal is. I don't know how many employees you have, how many offices you have, what your objectives are. I have no way of knowing. So when you ask that, it's assuming that you're buying a one and done physical product, like a light or something or a phone. You're not buying an item. You're starting a process. So, People get this bright, shiny object syndrome where they want to compare a service to an item or uh, they want to know how can I do everything myself and how can I do everything for free or something like that? Or can you help me fix this or fix that? Or how do I use this tool? And it becomes almost like there's no way to know. It's it's like you can't get on the phone and describe to a dentist what's wrong with your tooth. Right. He'll tell you, well, I don't know who you went to before. I don't know what you did to it. And I, I need can't. to take x-rays. <laughs> right. And that's why they tell you that because they, they won't know until they look at it. Right. Well, they can also, ask you questions, but they don't know what, what's true or what's not. I think also with the website, I mean, the, the entrepreneur has to have some major input into, you know, what's it about? What do I do? Who's my target? They should. They should ideally, as far as design is concerned, um, I learned a long time ago to base design on a a very specific process. Mm -hmm. So pick a profession. Um, Well, I'll do coaching. That's what I do. Okay. So let's say that you want, that you're a coach and you want to be number one in Google for coaches which is very common. So what I would say, well, that's great. Let's, what type of coach? Right. And if you say, oh, I'm just a coach coach or a a general business coach, I would say, okay, what I'll do is I'll compare you 
or I'll look at the websites for Anthony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, um, who else is there, Les Brown. Um, I'll look at the websites for three or four of the top coaches in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Now, what that would do is inform me, the developer, on A, what the site should look like, B, how it should be structured in terms of the formatting, like a funnel design. Mm -hmm. And it will also inform me what type of images there should be, what type of giveaways there should be, what's relevant, what's not, but also what terms do they use? They're big international celebrities. So people go to Google, they type in Anthony Robbins or Les Brown, Deepak Chopra. People are not going to know the name of a very specific uh, coach. So you're going to want to use specific terms to define what that type of coach is, ideally, if they know. If they don't know, then you try to work that out with them. Right. So... I, well, we, we talked a little bit before this podcast and you were talking about we're getting into um, this will not be airing right away. We didn't talk about that because I'm behind. I'm putting the episodes out. We've got a little bit of a queue going on. But right now it's August and we got a pandemic coming on. Probably we'll still be here in a few months. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yes. But you were, you were talking about how that affects entrepreneurs and I mean, affects all of us in different ways, but how maybe you, I'd like to know what your insight is on that and maybe how you can, how you can help or how they can help themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that I did a long time ago is while I was still working for marketing agencies, I volunteered as a a certified business mentor for an organization called SCORE, which don't ask me what that stands for. It has something to do with retired executives at the end. And I wasn't retired at the time. I was semi-retired. I didn't, I was getting to a point where I was doing okay and didn't need to work if I didn't want to. I could pick and choose who I worked for, Mm -hmm. but I was still working for an agency and I was getting ready to settle down. So I was a volunteer for this organization called SCORE, which is a division of the United States Small Business Administration. And during that time, I spoke with probably several hundred small business owners and nonprofit organizations all around North America. Wow. I had private college presidents. I had multi-million dollar marketing agency founders and presidents calling, which always surprised me that they would, you know, why are you talking to me? You're supposed to know this stuff. Right. <laughs> and, and really what I realized toward the end was they just wanted free help. And so basically the long and short of it is I learned a tremendous amount from all of that. About and what after they need. those Yeah, after all that time talking to hundreds of people who are small business owners, startup founders, service providers of every kind, lawyers, doctors, you name it. After all that time and the experience I had working for all these marketing agencies, I finally came to this point where I just said, look, I think I can help just about everybody. The question is, do they want it? Do they need it? Mm -hmm. Are they open to it? That's key. I can't help you if you don't want the help. And people will say they want the help, but wait a minute, I want to argue with you about this point. Or my sister-in-law who took a class online knows more than, (laughs) you know, 20, 25 years. And you'll hear that over and over again. And that's where you have to just say, look, God bless you. I wish you the best. Maybe we're not a good fit. But I learned a tremendous amount from that. And right now, the small business owner in America, not just in America, but in every country on the planet earth right now, because we in America forget very easily that there are many, many other countries very similar to the U S who are very similar to us politically, uh, economically, 
uh, we're the only major industrialized nation on earth that does not have a national health care program. But in every other way, we're extremely similar, very similar. And yeah. almost every major country right now is getting clobbered by coronavirus. Now, some are getting less beat down by others because of their national health care programs or the way they're handling it. But all small business owners are getting the stuff kicked out of them right now. And it's obvious why. I read today in the news that um, was it Lord and Taylor was filing for bankruptcy. Joseph no. A. Bank was filing for bankruptcy. Wow. Men's Warehouse was filing for bankruptcy. I think Pier 1 Imports did. JCPenney did. Every week or two. JCPenney did. I saw that one. Yeah, they've been struggling for a long time now. They could not pivot in time. They couldn't move all of their operations online Online. successfully fast enough. And they should have been able to. They could have been able to, but they didn't. They thought it would pass or they just weren't there in time. JCPenney, I mean, come on. Everybody could order something online from JCPenney. I ordered a blue jacket from JCPenney because it's my favorite color. Mm. Could they ship it to me? No. What? You had to go to the store and do the curbside pickup? No, this was actually two months. I think this was March. This might have been a a month or two before COVID began. So... You had I to go ordered in. it online and they said, you have to physically go to the store to pick it up. We cannot ship it to you. And so I thought, this is JCPenney. You guys should have everything available. Even for, even for a, a shipping charge, they couldn't ship it to you? I don't remember if there was a shipping charge or not, but if there was a shipping charge, it was probably just as much as the jacket itself. Yeah. Just to kind of make it neutral. So I don't remember what the exact situation was, but I just was like, I told my wife, well, we're going to have a nice drive. Let's listen to some, some good music and enjoy the scenery and we can stop and get groceries and run some errands on the way and, and just have a fun day trip. But it shouldn't have been that way. That was my point. They no. could have delivered it online if they really wanted to. Right. And even when I got to the store, it took like an hour to get it because the guy had to go and look for it and everything. Oh boy. So you have these types of antiquated systems. There are little mom and pop grocery stores who should be offering home delivery, but they're not. They should be offering at least curbside pickup, but they're not. They're not online. Every restaurant, every local bar, every local restaurant, every business owner should be online right now. If you're a lawyer, why do you have to physically meet people face-to-face to to talk to them? I don't understand that. If you're a restaurant owner, why can't you partner with Uber Eats or Postmates and offer home delivery and offer order placement through your website? I I do think restaurants are kind of the exception because even if they did that, they could never get the volume. I mean, that's kind of what I'm seeing it when I. They'd have a lot of difficulty competing with national chains like um, Domino's Pizza, for example, yeah. or Little Caesar Pizza or whatever the chain is nationally, insert whatever name you like. I don't know. Those pizzas are terrible. <laughs> yeah, they can't really, the little mom and pop has difficulty competing with the national chain. But yeah. if you're not in the game, you can't play to win. Right. And if you go to Google, Google will look up who your local uh, business is. So if I go to Google and I type in pizza, and obviously I'm a big fan of pizza, it's going to show me who's local. Oh, but if I right. look... If I go to Google and I type in pizza, who is it going to show me local? Nobody. Because nobody in my area will take orders online and deliver to your home and actually, you know, have an app on the phone where you can place orders. They're little mom and pop places that if they have a website at all, they don't offer you the opportunity to place an order online or go you know, or have it delivered to your home. I don't want COVID. I'm not going to get in my car and physically go into a restaurant to pick up the order or eat it there. Right, right. So if you don't deliver to my home, I'm not going to place the order. Now I can get on Instacart and have all my groceries delivered. Why wouldn't I do that? 
So they're leaving money on the table. Um, I, you know, I had to have a prescription refilled. And right, this was as COVID was spreading from China, I think it was just beginning to get its grip in Florida. And I had to go to a doctor. And I remember I called the doctor and I said, I need to get a prescription refilled. I had already had my blood test done the week before. So I said, can I get my uh, prescription refilled, please? And they said, well, sure, you can make an appointment to come in. What? And I said, well, why do I need to come in? There's this thing called COVID you may have heard of that's beginning to spread through Florida. I'm very concerned about it. I don't want to get it. The nurse laughed at me. She said, it's just a bad case of the flu. The nurse? Yeah. She said, if you want it, you're going to have to come in and pick up your prescription. You know, I'm sorry. This is 100% that's, true. That's, and I mean, I, I believe did. you, but it's, and I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, which you know, we're swing state, but Asheville is, is um, fairly liberal. But, but I think anywhere, if I, before this COVID stuff, I would say, they would ask, do you want us to fax it into, call it into your, your drugstore, which is what I always have them do. And I never, that is kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, I had to go in and uh, get the prescription, obviously. So I was nervous the whole time. And I met the doctor. The doctor said he too believed that it was just a bad case of the flu. Wow. This was as it was spreading through Florida. So I just said, well, that's great. Let me just get the prescription and get on out of here. And then just, you know, hope I don't get this thing. Yeah. And I was very lucky I didn't get it because there was actually someone in the waiting room at the time coughing and wheezing and everything. So I got in, got out. And then about a few weeks later, that area of Florida became a red zone um, on the case map online. But my point is, after that, I called, found another doctor. I did what they call teledoc, where it's a video conference with the doctor, just like I'm doing with you now by video. Mm -hmm. I explained what happened and just said, look, here's, you could get the blood work. Could you please refill this prescription for six months? So that hopefully by then, people will understand either is this COVID-19 real? Is it a hallucination? Are you going to take precautions against it? What will you do or not do? And so she said, absolutely, I'll refill it for six months. I don't have a problem with that at all. And she told me, and we're taking, you know, obviously you can do the video conferencing. No one comes into our doctor's office who refuses to wear a mask. They are not permitted in. If they come in and take the mask off, they're not seen again. We don't let them back. People go in and take, oh my God. Yeah. So, and uh, that's, uh -huh. that happens a lot. Uh, I've seen that where they'll go into Costco and take the mask off and yell at people or whatever. But anyway, my point was that they, Everybody can use modern technology. You and I can talk through video conferencing. It's not the end of the world. It works. Yeah. So they just yeah. some some of them just really need to get creative. And again, I, I think about the restaurants. Um, and you could be when we talk about restaurants, you could be doing live cooking shows. You could be doing recipes on YouTube. You could be showing uh photos of your recipes on Pinterest or Facebook or LinkedIn. You could have live uh, video cook-ins through Zoom or, or Skype or whatever, where people can watch you, you know, make your recipe and ask questions. There's no end to what you could be doing. You could offer home delivery, curbside pickup. There is a little bar where I live mm -hmm. that was saying, look, we're about to go under because no one is placing orders at the bar. So, what we've done is now you can call us up and you can order 20 pounds of pasta, 20 pounds of beans, 20 pounds of rice. Come to the store and we'll, you can pick it up the curb. Now, yes, they could have also had it. So you could have placed the order online and had them deliver it to your home. But they, they weren't doing that. They just wouldn't do it. Technology so to, is a challenge. Right. So you yeah. had to call them on the phone, give them your credit card number, and go pick it up. But at least they were making that amount of effort. So if you wanted yeah. to prepare for the pandemic and go get 20 pounds of beans, 20 pounds of rice, you could place the order and go pick it up. At least that's an effort. 
And from what I heard, that was a big boon for their uh, bar. Cool. It was allowing them to stay in business. So, so it can uh -huh. be done. Yeah. So um, a couple of things I just want to stop and take note because it's you're sure. you're very into preparation, and I think that yeah. is a really important thing that people be done. And if if you know, in the case of stocking up on rice and beans and chickpeas, I like to have those. Um, if nothing happens, you just those things are non-perishable and you just keep them as long as you, you know, keep the bugs out. The other thing I, I, um, boy, I think maybe you could do, do some videos for people and just give them some ideas. And in fact, I'm going to ask you for another sure. group. Um, a friend of mine and also a couple, I mean, there's a lot of musicians here. So performers, and I know they are really oh, struggling. My. Oh my God. Can we talk about performers? What musicians? Yes. Okay. Let's take a musician. Oh my God. There's so freaking much musicians okay. could be doing right now if they want to, to reach more customers, more clients. Oh my God. I could make a list as long as my leg of things that they could be doing. Now, is that work? Yes. Does it require organization? Absolutely. You can't do it all in one day, but it can be done. And, and if you can't do it, you get help. There's a, an old thing called collaboration. Hello. If you're willing to collaborate, there are always people who are willing to work with you. The problem is people can't see it. So if they can't see it for themselves, they're not willing to do it. Who doesn't want to work with a musician? I would love to work with a musician to help me do all kinds of music for my videos or, or uh, uh, YouTube videos. We could collaborate and do things together. We could do webinars. I'd love that. But what are some ways that musicians could use marketing? Before we go on, I, I will have some, I have very talent. In fact, I had, he's in the queue. Um, that I did a, a, an interview with, I'm actually friends with him, um, Ben Phantom and tremendous talent. So after we get off, I'll see if you want to collaborate with him, but yes, let's, sure. let's hear what you, what you got, what you got. And I'm, a, and, and, you know, I'm one of the few people I know that I always offer to help people. I tell them how to get in touch with me. If you need help, I'm happy to give a free 30 minute consultation to people to talk and see if I can help them. Um, I'm not going to work for free. I know times are tough, but it's a matter of principle. I well, don't think, sure. I, I mean, don't think that people value what you do for them if it's free. And even though I'm doing okay, I'm not Donald Trump. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay? And I, and I, okay. Or let's say I'm not the image that that he he portrays. So let's take the uh, the musician. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're a musician. You could get on a million marketplaces and offer to do um, intro podcast themes, jingles. Mm -hmm. I've seen rappers who are offering to do custom rap routines for commercials, entrepreneurs, um, restaurant chains, lawyers, doctors, hotels. I mean, anybody and everybody who has a business, they want jingles. They want commercials. They want rappers doing cool uh, rap routines for them. I'd love to have a rap routine about the, the uh, efficiency of digital marketing or about the benefits mm. of SEO. I mean, that'd be incredibly catchy. Who wouldn't love that? You know, and we could work something out. You do that. I'll do something for you but it has to be 50, 50. And yeah. that's where it breaks down in a lot of cases where they're just not willing to do that or don't see the value in that. But that's just one thing that they could be doing. There's a million four places online like Fiverr, Guru, a million sites like that. I could make a list as long as my leg of all these sites that you could go to, to market your services. That's one step. Next is going to uh, chamber events online, chamber yeah. websites, offering to partner with commercial uh, entrepreneurs, chains, restaurants, to do jingles, commercials, things like that. 
uh, just a million different ways to collaborate and partner and work with other people who have complimentary services to help you. You know, there's not a restaurant owner in the world who wouldn't love to have a really good commercial right now. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, it's just, it, everybody wants to have a voice message with a catchy jingle. There are people doing voiceovers. And I, I know one person who's doing like 30 voiceovers a day. Wow. And he's, you know, what is he charging? $10 of voiceover. So if he does, and each one is like a minute long. So how many can he do per day? As many as he wants. Wow. So yeah. he can just sit there and crank it out. It's just a matter of what, you know, what are you willing to, to learn? What are you willing to trade in order to get from point A to point B? We can't really become something different if we're not willing to trade something in order to achieve that. Yeah, and I think there's a, a creativity, obviously, but you, and we're talking about musicians right now. They're, they're creative. Um, and, and they may not know marketing. Right. But if a musician got in touch with me and said, David, look, I, I, I need to get more customers. I need more clients. I need more people to help me pay my bills. What can, can you help me? And in return for you helping me, could, you know, I'd be open to partnering with you on this joint effort, uh, that type of thing. And I don't know anybody who would turn that down. Yeah. It's just, would you be willing to do that? Are you willing to exchange something to get something greater back? They have to see the value in that. Right. In wow. a lot of cases, they don't, you know. Yeah, I um, guess you would know. I mean, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer, but... Um, uh, to a lesser extent, doing a podcast is a collaboration. Yeah. You could say, well, what's the value of me talking to someone for a half hour or an hour? I'm not getting paid. What's the value? Why would I ever do that? So you have to be, be you have to see beyond your present day circumstances. I see the value in terms of being able to help others. I see mm -hmm. the value in terms of getting my name out there. Right. I see the value in getting my information out there and just trying to reach through the camera to help other people and express to them the importance of not being static. When times change, you have to change with them. Yeah, flexibility is really important. And it's, again, I, I am a coach, so it's, it's, you need to be flexible in yeah. order to make any kind of change emotionally or in your life you need to and have flexibility and be willing to do the work so it's yeah. very interesting and what you and were saying earlier about people you know they they don't want to listen they have to be coachable yeah the when i was a volunteer i was a certified small business mentor for score that was the full title mm -hmm. i i would get at least three to five phone calls or emails every day on top of the people that were contacting me you know, from my own work. Mm -hmm. So that could get overwhelming at times. I would say of those three to five people from, from there, there that contacted me, I would say maybe one per month actually would try to follow up on what I suggested. That's all? Maybe one. Yeah, that's about wow. it. Wow. The rest of them would listen to you. They'd nod their heads. Maybe they would doze off. Maybe they wouldn't. They would take doze notes. off. I had that. I don't take it personally. No, I could be boring. But <laughs> but the point is that of those people, the overwhelming majority, you would never hear from again. Yeah, you'd never hear from them again. If you check back on them in a few months, whatever happened to them, they're long gone. Wow. Statistically, something like 99% of all small businesses will go under within three years, if not earlier, according to the U.S. Small Business Administration. And I think Bloomberg actually took it higher because now with COVID, that number yeah. is probably much higher than that. So it's tougher for business owners now than ever before. You need to be mobile. You need to be able to pivot and you need to be hungry. And if you're not then, you know, look, consolidate resources, batten down the hatches and take care of your family any way that you possibly can. 
But if you're not serious and you're not committed and you're not ready and willing to pivot, now's not the time. It's going to eat you alive. You know, every lawyer should be doing video conferencing with new clients. They should be providing e-signature. They should be doing everything online. And if they don't know how, they should be getting advice on how to do it. Every restaurant should be delivering food to your door. They should be selling groceries if they can legally do it and it's perfectly okay. Every dentist, every doctor should be doing, you know, video conferencing like, like some of them are doing. If you do shoe repair, do, do the shoe repairs and deliver it to people's doors. Offer to pick them up, offer them to deliver it to people's doors. You know, you know do video tutorials. I, I was just going to say, and this is, so I, I probably shouldn't stop your flow, but it's just, you know, it's hard to find shoe repairs. <laughs> you know what? And, and yeah. And how At many, least where shoe I live. and how many shoe repair people have functional websites? No, 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 many? no. Zero. Right. I mean, I don't know anybody who does. And I, really, I had trouble finding a place and to get really repaired. It's not like they can't get them. You don't, you don't have $1,500 to pony up for a basic website or you can't get on a payment plan yeah. or offer to fix somebody's shoes in, in, in return for this or, or, do, or get on a payment plan. Do something. Get it started. Yeah. Make the effort. You know, you could have something where people download a, a blueprint of their foot and they outline their foot and then they mail it into you or email it into you. Now you got their measurements. There's a way to do everything where you don't have to physically meet them. There's yeah. a way to do yeah. it. It should have been done five years ago, 10 years ago. We had the technology then, but nobody wanted to do it. Well, and now... You don't, then you're in now. Hopefully, it's not too late for most. Yeah. Most small businesses are going to go under. Those that pivot will make it. You know, um, everyone and anyone could be doing something in a different way to adapt to what's going on in the world right now. If you have a hotel and you're not making money, use that physical space for offices. You know, if you have a hotel and people aren't staying there, use that space to produce TV shows, use it for whatever, whatever you can think of, rent it out somehow, you know, find a way to do it. Um, yeah. There's just a million different things that you could use it for, but you've got to be willing to do it. And so it's brutal out there, but anything service industry, you could be using video. And you could be delivering to their door or be doing it virtually. If you're, you know, restaurants could be taking payments online. If yeah. you're um, a musician, you could be doing concerts online. You could be uh, writing jingles, writing personal songs. I saw where people were writing love ballads for people. All you had to do is tell them your wife's name and some information about her. And they would write a love song for your wife or for your husband or for your partner. There's a million and one things that you could do if the will is there and you're willing to collaborate. You're willing to say, I'll do whatever it takes to get my head above water and get swimming again. That is there's great. A will, there's a way. That was great. And um, I'm going to have to move this this is so timely what you're what what we're talking about and the advice that you're giving i'm gonna move you to the head of the queue so people can get it sooner rather than later well don't I mean tell anybody word. don't tell anybody <laughs> I, I i mean every word of it because it's one of the the things i'm really really passionate about and i truly believe it there is no business out there that cannot be turned around if the will is there and the infrastructure is there that they'll let you do it. You know, I remember right, right before, I think it was Toys R Us went mm -hmm. bankrupt. Yeah. And then a couple of months later, somebody bought Toys R Us. Oh, they did. I didn't know that. Yes. And they turned it around completely. And this was before COVID. I think it was right before COVID. They turned it around. 
and it was becoming profitable again. How did they do it? They took the stores and they made the stores um, much more interactive. The environments were very mm. brightly lit. You could go in and you could actually play with the toys. You could go and play with the, the train sets. You could try out the video game. It was like being a fat kid in a candy store again. You had everything available to you right there. You could have fun. It reminds me uh, when I was in college, I remember they had like co-working places when I was in college where you would go to do your homework or whatever, mm -hmm. or study so you could have someplace quiet for a few hours. And I remember, I'll never forget there was a place, and this was like 20 years ago, and I still remember it today, to this day, there was a co-working place and they had coffee energy drinks, couches, tables. You could go there, you could order out pizza and have it delivered there. And I'd go there with a friend of mine and I'd say, let's just go have fun. I want to go study for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Then I want to play, um, you know, video games or whatever and have pizza and then go back to the university. Right. I loved that place mm -hmm. because I would pay for four or five hours I'd go there, I'd study for a couple hours. Then I would play violent video games. I'd have some pizza and some Red Bull. Then I'd go back to the university from, for classes or, or finals, for final exams. But it made you feel like, boy, this is so much fun. And it's a community thing. And that's kind of like the Starbucks, a little obviously different, but. Communal, um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and. Whatever it is that you do, there are ways to use modern technology to bridge that gap right now. Starbucks could be offering home delivery. God knows there's one in almost every 10 feet. Yeah. They could offer home delivery. They could have videos and be all over YouTube where they profile individual employees and what each employee is going through in their lives. What it's like to open up at Starbucks in the morning. What it's like to do to work with the customers. What it's like to close up the different recipes, the innovations. You know, you yeah. suggest a new recipe uh, to, to Starbucks and they'll try it and have a contest. And whoever wins gets a, a new recipe for 30 days. Go to the website, get a coupon, enter in your video testimonial, and whoever wins gets free Starbucks for a month or for a year. Who wouldn't want to participate in that? So there's a I there, would. Yeah, there's always things that you could do to expand into new markets or try to accelerate growth no matter what is going on in the world because let's face it in 2008 we had the great recession yeah now we've got this and guess what 10 years from now there's going to be something else there's going to be another recession or a depression or another pandemic or some other catastrophe well and and you know that's that's really good to point out because i know these times are hard but you know, I'm old enough to remember 1968 and the, all the turmoil and the protests and the right. looting and the, yeah. um, you know, that went on and, you know, the Nixon years and all that. So history shows us, you know, right now, I think we're going through 1918 all over again. Yeah. This, it was identical to mm -hmm. what we're experiencing as a nation today. And it was, there people, was a world war going on as well. Yeah, you had 1918, you had people who refused to wear masks mm -hmm. during a known pandemic. There were people who believed that it wasn't happening. The president told people go back to work. That Back then it was Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. He told people go back to work, that nothing is more important than the economy. Cases <laughs> skyrocketed, millions of people died. And I think it went on for, I think it was a year, year and a half. Yeah. And then it abated a little bit during the summer and then it came roaring back. And yeah. Um, and they had evidence where one, one city, I forget, St. Louis maybe had a shutdown in Philadelphia. I might, I'm not sure the right cities. Another city had a big parade and you yeah. could see the difference in cases. I mean, oh, of course. Yeah. Cause it's a pandemic. You go out, <laughs> you're going to get it. So, uh, you know, the people who don't believe it's real, all I can say is every other country on the planet, they're not all lying. This, this, this eight, Spain and Italy, um, Iran, the United Kingdom. 
Yeah. It's uh, Argentina, Brazil, China, Japan. It's eating them up. Yeah. They're and not- then you have other places like South Korea where people are wearing the masks and they have. Right. Well, they're, they, yeah, they're, they're in a lot, in a lot of countries, they're used to having uh, types of viruses and pandemics where they, um, they had other flus or, or other, I should say other flus because this isn't the flu. The flu doesn't kill 150,000 people in four months right. or five months. Um, so this is much more serious than that. But there are other countries where they're more accustomed to wearing face masks in order to yeah. prevent illnesses from spreading because they look at society as a collective. We're not all individuals. Right. We're one group trying to live our lives together so that matters to us. Whereas I think in the U.S., more people are concerned with their individual freedom as opposed to taking care of society as a whole. They're more concerned with saying, you know, look, I should have my right to not wear a mask. And if this person gets COVID and they die from it, or this little girl gets it and she has to go to a hospital and their family goes bankrupt, it's not my problem. So there's more of that that feeling I think in the U S where even if they believe that it's real and accept that it's happening, they don't really see the impact on others as being relevant to them. So what? And there's no accountability. I, mean, I think once, I think once every, I think when more and more people get it or their family members get it, then they'll take it more seriously. If you have a, a loved one who gets it and they become deathly ill or pass away from it, or they're on an, uh, uh, a respirator, respirator for a month. Some people are coming out and they have, you know, um, blood clots or nervous orders after, or their lungs don't work the same. Oh yeah, um, there's long. I mean, and people don't, you know, they don't you don't hear much about that the long lasting effects. Yeah. I was reading about um, the rapper Ice T on mm-hmm. Twitter was saying that um, his wife's father, yeah, his wife's father got. COVID. He was a tough guy who didn't believe in wearing a mask. He got it. And he had it for like a month or two, was on a in, in, uh, respirator mm-hmm. for like a month or two. Ooh. And they said that um, he still has breathing problems now and that they don't think his lungs will ever be back to normal. There was a little girl I read about today who was, I think, nine years old who recovered from it, presumably, but now she can't answer questions without waiting a couple minutes. She can't remember things. Um, She still has inflammation in certain parts of her body. Um, So I think more and more families are going to get this. I think more and more children will be exposed to it. And then I think people will start to really take it seriously and just be like, you know, hey, if we have to wear a mask to get this down to zero, then so be it. Well, I hope so. And I don't know I how long that will takes, take. But, I think it will take that. I mean, and they're op- they are opening schools in some places. I've seen pictures where uh, I assume they're real. Maybe not. I didn't, don't, can't fact check everything I see, but, um, you know, the kids are going to schools and they're going to get it and they're going to bring it home. And unfortunately, yeah. it's actually- just, it, it will get quite widespread before enough people comply. I think Johns Hopkins University said at the beginning of this that they theorized that around 70% of the U.S. population would get it. Mm. And so we're on that. We're on course for that. As far as misinformation in the media, I'm a webhead. And I would say Mm. there's a really, really great course Mm. On the great courses, if you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com, there's actually a really tremendous course there on fighting disinformation or misinformation in the digital age. I think it's called. You could sign up for a subscription to thegreatcoursesplus.com. You could sign up for it, I think, for $10 or something, just long enough to take the course and then you can cancel. But uh, it's a great uh, course. And I may just take it again and take and take better notes, but it basically showed you how you could verify news stories. And if you see a news story and you're not sure whether or not it's authentic, 
what I always tell people to do is there's a great website called news.google.com, which is an aggregate. And what that does is it just, it's a, a collection of all, it basically uses Google as a search engine to search only news. So if you go to news.google.com and type in a headline, it'll show you news sources from all over the world on that topic or with that headline. So if you're somebody who really, really loves Fox News, you can find the related topic on Fox News or another um, conservative publication. If you're someone who wants to see something that's more central or uh, you know, a little bit more uh, down the middle, you could look for the Washington Post or the New York Times and mm -hmm. check three or four sources and so on. If you see an image and you're not sure if the image is real or not, you can actually go to images.google.com, click on that image and drag it into that search box. And it will look for other instances of that same image across the internet itself using Google. A lot of people don't know that that resource is available. That's great. I'm going to put these in the show notes. I don't know if it will show up on iTunes so much, but sure. uh, but it will definitely um, show up on you know in other places. I use Captivate, so dot Captivate dot FM. But we'll definitely put that in. There's I know there's some other sites that I use, and, and I mean I just go and Google and and do a pattern match visually usually and you can usually look at a photo and say this is doctored a lot of them are just so obviously doctored but a lot of people don't know that there's news.google.com yeah i didn't know about that google.com nope. and also a lot of people don't know that they're if you're at home and you don't want to run the risk of going to a grocery store or just eat, you don't even want people to uh you don't want to have to go pick something up because the people may not wear masks if you want to go pick up something you can go to shopping.google.com as well, and you can actually look for reputable stores who will deliver to your home. And if they take PayPal or Google Wallet, which is a Google payment form or method, mm -hmm. then you know they're reputable and you have some level of insurance. So if they don't give you right. the, the item, you can go back and say, hey, I didn't get what I paid for. So when shopping online, always use PayPal or, or Google Wallet. So you use those three services and you can find news, uh, is an image real or not? And you can also find more resources for uh, shopping online. And for home delivery, everybody should be using Instacart right now. You should be using Postmates, uh, Uber Eats, and just have everything delivered to your door wait five minutes until the person is gone, there's a good breeze or whatever, go out and get it, wipe it down or whatever you do. And now at least you have a much greater risk of, of getting COVID than if you went to a less, less risk. restaurant. Right. Yeah. I like to just order groceries, have it delivered to the door, wait a, you know, 10, 15 minutes and bring it in. And if it's uh, food that doesn't require refrigeration, let it sit on the shelf for a week or two. Who cares? Right. Yeah, I, think, I, think in turn, I think they've determined that it's, it doesn't, re the surface thing is not. You, you can, from what I've read, obviously I'm no doctor, but right. from what I have read, I look at Johns Hopkins University. I look at, mm -hmm. um, there's a, a man named Dr. Scott Gottlieb who was with the FDA and uh, Dr. John Olsterholm and I forget what he's associated with. And those are two very reputable, distinguished doctors. And I read what they say a lot. And from what I can tell, the consensus is you can contract COVID from touching, uh, let's say that you touch this pen. Yeah. Well, I have a pen here. Let's say I hand you the pen. You have COVID, you give it back to me. I touch the pen. Now, if I touch the pen after you did it and I go, Touch your face. Like this, yeah. or mm, I don't know. I rub my eye. Now you can contract COVID in in that way as well. So, oh yeah, no, I wasn't going to say you can't, but it's just it's not. At, I mean, not in the it's early not as days, prevalent. It, it's not at yeah. It's right. It's not as prevalent because more people are contracting it by being in groups or around people who are physically close to them. Yeah. And the people are talking or carrying on. Even if you're wearing a paper mask or a cloth mask, if you're 
not far enough away, you can still breathe in those those respiration particles. The mask doesn't stop COVID from getting out into the air. What it does is it acts as a muffler. So, and that's and what more a lot for you. Of a hard time it's more to protect the other person than to. Than it to will protect you. the other person, especially if they're six to ten feet away, and and it basically acts as like a muffler. Yeah. So if you sneeze. It's like putting two hands over your mouth and nose, and you still sneeze. There's still going to be some of it that gets out, but not as yeah. nearly as much. And so the, the even if the person gets it, they won't get the larger particles and get larger um, D- uh, exposure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. A load, I guess they call it a larger load. Viral load. Yes, That's what yeah. They, yeah. So the, the point is, I think there's always a way. There's always a way. And I learned from working in all these marketing agencies where we had daily, weekly, and quarterly deadlines. There's always a way to get something done. And that's what you have to do is look at everything like a Rubik's cube. If the will is there and you're willing to trade your comfort in order to achieve a certain objective or to get to a certain point, you can do it. Are you willing to come out of that comfort zone? Wise words. And I think that's a good note to end on. But before we go, uh, unless you have something else you want to add, I'd like to let you let people know where to go and find you this will be in the show notes of course but if you want to talk a little bit about it your dms.blue that's me uh dms are my initials uh dms is what i do i'm a digital marketing specialist which is oh. a broad it's a broad term but it basically means anyone who is a specialist or who specializes in using digital marketing, which is all the different tools that make up online marketing. So SEO, e-commerce, web design, all the different elements, putting that all together. So DMS are my initials, David, Martin, Summerfleck, it's my initials. And it's also what I do as a digital marketing specialist. And it's my favorite color. So it's dms.blue. You could type it into Google, dms.blue. You could look me up on YouTube, look me up on Twitter. I'm all over the place is dms.blue. And I was never a really snappy dresser. So one day my wife just said to me, you know, I said, well, honey, what should I wear? I'm, I'm supposed to go speak to this group and I don't know what I should wear. And she said, look, stop this mess. What's your favorite color? I said, well, it's blue. She said, look, just go get a nice blue suit. Wear a matching blue shirt. Start getting blue glasses and then you're done with it and you'll look more stylish than 99.9% of people who won't do that. And I, I just said, you know what, that's that's genius. I just realized I've got on the blue glasses today. I was almost going to s- switch them out, but and, and these are my, glasses. These are my distance glasses. And I remember the, the optometrist saying, well, do you want progressive lenses so you can see up close and further away. And I said, no, because then that's more opportunity to have more fun. So <laughs> I have the distance glasses here. And then I've got my reading glasses for being up close. I've got the blue for, you know, when I drive and so on and so forth. I go for the progressives. Yeah. I don't like to and switch. Get those babies tinted. You know? <laughs> so for everybody out there who has a hunger to make their lives better, to live a better life. My message is you can do it where there's a will, there's a way. And, and I think that's when you talk about empowerment, I could not be more sincere. And I thank you on behalf of myself and the audience. It's really been a pleasure and I really am going to get this out sooner rather than, than later because it just, timely, important information in here. And thank you for your generosity. And thank you for just being here and sharing what you had to share. I'm definitely going to, we'll talk after the the podcast, people go out. And if you want to learn how to move stuff onto the internet, I guess the road to digital marketing profits workbook would be helpful. And if I can just add very briefly, 
Uh, I know COVID is ravaging people's lives and their businesses. Yeah. And I started offering a free half hour consultation to business owners and entrepreneurs who want honest, objective help. Because the truth is, look, if they don't work with me, I wish you well. That's yeah. perfectly fine. But I make that available to people as well. So if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, and you need objective, honest help, I'm there for you. And they, how would they get in contact with you? Go to the dms.blue and... Go to that address bar and type in dms.blue. As soon as you come to my site, you'll see a little contact blurb. And um, they can get in touch with me. And I would say less than 60 seconds. It's that easy. But I would like that they put more thought into the response when I ask them, how can I help you? So I de- let, me, let me delete that part there and say, please take more than 60 seconds. But you can find the, the blurb that says get in touch or contact me right mm-hmm. away. They can go to that. But please take a minute or two to let me know what you have going on. Well, and yeah, I would like to underline that because it's really the the decent thing to do. If someone is going to spend a half an hour with you, well, two things. One is it's respectful and you should be respectful of their time. But number two, you're going to get more out of that 30 minutes rather than spending the first five of it figuring out what it is you really are there for. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe more than five minutes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's not more than that. Um <laughs> But yeah, the idea is to get down to the nitty gritty. We've got work to do. Yeah. And it's time for every one of us to roll our sleeves up and just say, look, either you're happy with the way things are and, and you're, you, you can relax. If you're not happy with the way things are, then it's time for us, um, you know, as adults to roll up our sleeves and say, are you willing to trade your comfort level in order to achieve this objective? Yeah, and you're probably uncomfortable anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard work, but it's worth it in the end when you look back on things and you realize, wow, look, you know, a year ago it was so different. Yeah. Well, thank you once again, and good luck Absolutely. with taking your months to write Bloom and Grow. Absolutely, thank you, thank you. I'm going to drink a lot of caffeine, and maybe if I'm lucky, I can write two books. Whoa. Okay. Well, with that, until, until next time. Many thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see this podcast reach more people, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Well, that's all folks. Until next time, when we meet again on the road, the road to empowerment.